0: Welcome to the 615 Sessions podcast on this Friday afternoon. Hope everybody is having a great Friday afternoon. Why wouldn't you be? Mike Herndon is here with us. You can read the words that he writes for paulkaharski.com. You can hear him on the Football and Other F-Words podcast with our buddy Zach Lyons. Uh, what has the discourse been on the podcast in the last, I don't know, month, month and a half? What's what's the level of, of uh, sanity that you two are keeping about your
1: situation? Uh, relatively sane, I think, um, re- you know, it's all relative with that show anyways. Um, but lots of discourse about the coaching, uh, new coaching staff and everything like that, of course. And then, uh, you know, we've kind of started to devolve into some of the player acquisition stuff and, and we went entirely too long this week on free agency and, and we started arguing, you know, he's anti Hollywood Brown. I'm pro Hollywood Brown. So like uh, the battle lines are being drawn for what will eventually turn into the next six, seven weeks worth of podcast content uh, for us. So,
0: Battle lines being drawn on a podcast is always a plus as far as I'm concerned. In (laughs) fact, that's the reason that I, I, the only reason that I regret doing as much solo stuff as I do, as I do is just because I don't have the opportunity to fight with that many people on a regular basis, (laughs) except for Lucas, who exists to fight with me. Um, But Mike (laughs) is here because, well, I wanted to have you on Mike because I saw you having an interesting discourse about the level of education that fans actually want about their football teams. And I thought it was a very interesting discussion. Now, this also happens to be the day that the NFL salary cap has been announced to $255.4 million, an increase of 30 mil year over year. Uh, they are very, very happy in the league to have Jeff Bezos' money, and they are injecting it right back into all the team's salary caps. Uh, so, why don't we start there with Combine around the corner? Well, quickly, 615 Sessions podcast presented by Two Rivers Ford and Relax the Back, relaxtheback.com for all of your back related needs. If you're having problems sleeping, if you need a new office chair, if you need a standing desk like I've got, Relax the Back has you covered. Um, so, salary cap implications. First, were you surprised by the figure? Because the latest reporting that I had seen around it and talking to teams, I don't think anybody expected anything north of of 242, really.
1: Yeah, I was pretty surprised because, yeah, that that was kind of the number that had been lingering out there for really months now. Um, And then there was a little bit of rumbling last week, I think that, or maybe it was earlier this week, that I guess PFT was getting some sources that were saying maybe closer to 250, but even Mm -hmm. that sounded like it would still be south of 250, not 5 million north of 250. So, yeah, I, I think it's certainly surprising that it's, that much higher, and, and frankly, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for for the Titans specifically.
0: Well, so expand on that because there's there's a couple of reasons that that jumps into my mind. One, market inflation uh, for all positions, including running backs. So the idea of a cost effective Derrick Henry solution becomes less and less probable in a in a scenario like that. But the other thing that came to mind, Mike, is is the ownership group and cash on hand. And just because the salary cap goes up does not guarantee. And listen, it's not like, you know, Amy Adams, Strunk and the, and the uh, Titans ownership group are outright hurting for cash, though they are spreading it pretty thin across a couple of different ventures, a new stadium, perhaps, you know, paying off the bills from a new wing on the practice facility beyond just what you would owe coaches like Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, who you're still paying to get off your books. Who you'd be very happy to see get jobs. And that does not appear to be happening for either of those gentlemen. Uh, in the near future, uh, but beyond that, is there is there a concern concern that jumped into your mind when you saw that figure?
1: Yeah, the first thing that jumps into my mind is is obviously the Titans are going to be a team that has cap space this year. They they were already projected, I think it was around sixty five million uh, before when when we were working off of the two forty two number, but now that we're mm-hmm. at two fifty five, they're up at seventy eight million, and that's that's great and all. And the number being bigger makes everyone think, oh well, they can just go sign more players. That's not really going to be how it works, though, because that that number raises for all teams. And the teams at the very top that have the most money, it really helps the least because the teams that are in cap hell down at the bottom, you know, there there had been before Buffalo. the new numbers. Yeah, there had been 10 teams that were in negative cap space that were going to have to do things to make it work, to get their number down, to restructure, do all the things that we know you can do to manipulate the cap to get under that 242 number. Well now three of those teams are already out of, of the negative, they're out of the red. And everyone at the bottom has now 12 to 15 more doll- or 12 to 15 more million dollars uh to, to work with here. So you're looking at um more teams that can go after bigger players, you know. So so your top of the market guys are gonna have a few more teams that may be able to bid on their services. That otherwise would not have been able to be in playing in that market just because they have an extra, you know, basically a whole player salary, right? Like a good player salary uh, to work with. So I think you're going to just see more bidding, uh, more, more competition for all these guys. And and the Titans have a lot of work to do in free agency. They have a lot, a lot of money, but they have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, And so they're, they're going to need to get some of these impact guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you try not to you try not to urinate on their hopes, Mike, because the, the the cap space and and the the high draft picks and things like that this year, like those are legitimate assets and can vary quickly. I mean, the Texans, a great example. The league has teams that go from worst to first all the time, and the Titans, you know, if they if they play their cards right in free agency in the draft, are very, very capable, even though the AFC South is as congested, we'll call it, as it's ever been, or at least in recent memory. Um and the Titans do still have, you know, the idea of state no state income tax as Brandon brings up in the YouTube chat that's still an asset for the state of Tennessee and the states of Florida and things of that nature. But still, Mike's Mike's concerns are not unwarranted because it just brings more bidders into the marketplace. And also, you know, the you you mentioned teams having basically a good player salary now at their disposal where they might not have have had that wiggle room otherwise. It kind of changes the definition of what a good player's salary is. You brought up Hollywood Brown. My guy, you know, Track valuations are basically like looking at Zillow. I know they drive homeowners crazy, <laughs> but, you know, at least it gives you a little bit of a gauge before the bidding actually begins. If Spotrock had Hollywood at $14.5 million on an average annual basis, we're talking about a $20 million wide receiver right now. And that's for a, a dude coming off a career worst year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I think specifically with Hollywood, not to get into to my, my soapbox on him. Come on in with it. At, That's fine. I'll do soapbox. If you look at the last uh I think he's played. You know, the last three years, he's played. I think a total of 22 games with what I would consider like a real quarterback, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. Um, Not, I'm not. I'm throwing out all the games with Colt McCoy and and Trace McSorley and and Josh Dobbs. I'm sorry, Vols fans. I'm throwing all those games out. But if you look at when he's had a real quarterback, the last 22 games, that 22 game sample, he's on a a pace of like 1155 yards. And seven touchdowns on a per year, like on a 17 game season basis, which is very good. I mean, I, I think a lot of, he's been hurt a lot by the fact that he's played with a bunch of trash cans, at quarterback, frankly, over the last three seasons. Because remember, Lamar got hurt a little bit during that 2021 season, too. He didn't finish the year they had uh, you know, Tyler Huntley or, or someone like that. Pro bowler, Tyler know.
0: Huntley, you Absolutely. put respect that's on right. his damn <laughs> sorry, name. Michael. Sorry,
1: Snoop Huntley, pro bowl quarterback. Uh, I, yeah, my apologies. Um, but you know, you, 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 there's some of that that's in there with his numbers and everything like that, that I think you have to look at and take into context, but yeah, your, your point about the, his salary, and what he's going to be able to command, it's going to go up. Yeah, I mean, everyone—the you know, rising rising tide raises all ships, right? So, um, I, I think that's going to kind of be what what happens in this free agency. Everyone's going to get, a, everyone's going to have their hand out for a little bit more, uh, knowing that everyone's got more cap space now.
0: Oh, well, including the running backs, because I see some comments about paying Derrick Henry now. That you know, I think people, you know, right? It's 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 not an unfair assumption to make. It's not their job to pay attention to this stuff the way that it is. Ours on a regular basis, but seeing more cap space makes people, as we talked about at the start of the podcast, think that you just have more to spend. And that's that's inherently uh, inaccurate based on how this situation is going to go. Caleb Gray says, I love that hat Mike is wearing. I'm going to ask him to defend his uh, fellow Mavericks fans who had a confrontation with Kevin Durant probably by the (laughs) end of the podcast, because I've also noticed his team apparel. So we will get to that momentarily uh but to your point mike i had joe cory the former nfl agent on the radio show in the noon hour today within you know 10 minutes of the salary cap information coming down so uh it was good timing i wonder how i'll play this clip for you and i wonder how it lands on you this from a former nfl agent now doing work for cbs sports it's been set in the league a unprecedented jump of 30 million dollars year over year for each club to have at their disposal uh, your reaction
2: yeah, I didn't see uh, it coming in that high because the rejection projections were between 240 and 245. Um, that was because you still were dealing with paying back money from the pandemic year when the salary cap ended up dropping. So we're back to normal. 255.4 is a game changer for some teams, particularly ones like the Saints, who have a credit card approach to the salary cap where they push today's cap obligations consistently into into tomorrow and it also helps the chiefs if they want to franchise chris jones for 32.16 million because they have about 12 million more cap room to play with than they had otherwise
0: so as as an agent, how does this change the approach? You've, you've mentioned a couple of different uh, scenarios, and there's going to be unrestricted free agents. There will be franchise tag candidates and things of the like, so it's not one one size fits all as far as a, a game plan here. But beyond just asking for more money, how does that change an agent's thinking?
2: Well, it could expand the pool of teams that you're looking at for your respective free agents because a team which you were – thinking may not have interest with this type of cap room, you go, well, hmm, maybe they are interested. Or you maybe you may had a guy who you thought would be a salary cap casualty, maybe he's safe now because they don't necessarily need to cut him. Or maybe he goes from a guy they would never consider having take a pay cut to one where he is a pay cut candidate. Also, all the franchise tag numbers are going to go up because they're based on um, their percentage of the cap so all those numbers which were projected at one point using a 200 245 million dollar salary cap are going to go up um, as well i haven't done redone the calculations but yeah it 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 affects everything across the board so h-
0: how do you view the the salary okay it's just more me rambling and that's kind of what the the stuff that we covered but also the salary uh, the franchise tag figures mike where that's going to see a spike in the franchise tag numbers Um, you know, it makes the T Higgins discussion, I think a little more interesting. I don't know how realistic that was. I know that Kaharski wrote about it at the website this week that he, you know, kind of poking and prodding a little bit at the viability of a trade. Um, but to hear that from the agent's mouth, you know, you know that everybody's going to be walking around with hands out asking for more, please. Sir, can I have another? That's
1: right. Yeah, no. And I think that his point about, you know, teams that may not have been able to shop for that player now coming into the market is, is kind of the biggest thing as it relates to the titans but then it, you know on the t higgins front i think i struggled to see a scenario where the the bingles let him walk for nothing right like i just don't i think they're going to end up tagging him i think they're going to have to because i'm sure he's going to be you know if what if they didn't think his contract ask was that great uh before i'm sure it's even worse now um yeah, you know, we have struggling. wide
0: receivers mike making 35 million dollars a year when jamar chase gets around to getting paid imagine oh, yeah. having aj for 25 a year oh my god in today's market i'm sorry to do it to you but like just that for context that how much more affordable jeff simmons looks now how much more affordable the aj contract would have looked now like just yeah. just those things for context for the audience and, and, and it Exactly. It
1: happens all the time, right? Like you see the number every time someone side, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they gave that guy that much money. And then two years later, it's like, oh, that's a bargain. You know, <laughs> look at what this guy's getting paid. It, it, it consistently happens. And and so, yeah, the, the Titans are probably going to spend, you know, overpay for some guys in free agency. And we're going to say, oh my gosh, what a, what a overpay for this dude and and then in a couple years if he plays well it'll be a a steal and then a couple years if he doesn't play well he won't be here anymore so it's kind of one of those things you know you you pay the market price and you try to find the guys that are going to be good um but as it relates to Higgins I, I just think I think he's going to be tagged I don't I think you're going to have to trade something for him and I do agree with PK that they should not be in the business of trading away premium draft capital right now. If you if you were a team that was like a player away or just needed a few pieces here and there, sure, go for it, go get a guy that's proven, that's a known commodity, is young, all that stuff. But my problem with this team is they whiffed on three consecutive drafts basically. Yeah. 2020 to 2022, almost got nothing out of that. Um you know, 2023 we'll see, there's some promising guys in there maybe but this team is so starved for young talent on rookie contracts that I just don't see how you can come away from this draft with just one pick in the top 100. I just don't see how you could do it. Um, it just, you know, they, that's what they need more than anything are young homegrown stars, because that's where your, your superstars come from. Even T Higgins, who I think is a very, very good player. I don't think he's a superstar. I don't think he's an AJ Brown level player. Um, I, I think he's a, probably about where he is now he's a really good second receiver and probably not a ideal number one guy like he's probably you know you 15 to 20th best receiver in the league somewhere in that range which is fine it's good but to pay not only a draft pick but also a premium for, you know free agent contract for that I, I just don't see the urgency for it. like with A.J. Brown the Eagles got a top five receiver right, right. like I mean that's the thing there's yeah, it a, propel a Super
0: Bowl people. run like that's right. it's, there's there's so many things that may not have been possible in Philadelphia as a result of the A.J. Brown trade that were made possible immediately when you have that collection of skill position players and a quarterback on a cost-effective contract the way that this team is now trying to build up to your point
1: yeah yeah I mean I think if you look I mean because so many people say well look, look at what Tyreek did for Tua look at what you know, AJ did for Hertz. I completely agree. Like having an elite receiver makes a huge deal. I just don't think T Higgins is an elite receiver. And I don't think Brandon Ayuk is either for that matter. I think Ayuk is better than Higgins. Uh, you know, he gets talked about a lot less because his, his coach isn't. you know, his former offensive coordinator isn't now the coach of the team. Um, I think Ayuk is a better option than Higgins if you had to choose one, but I really don't think they should be pursuing either one if if it has comes down to a trade if they somehow end up on the free agent market sure go for it but I don't think that'll happen
0: yeah the complication of of and you know you you wouldn't take back the third round pick because you got Will Levis out of it and that you know that's the most viable thing that you have moving forward but that further just kind of complicates the discussion that probably makes it a lesser uh, a less viable option uh the idea though Mike that the Titans don't really have cap casualties as teams start to clear cap uh, is, is there any part of you that fears that they might try and salvage Andre Dillard with Bill Callahan because they don't have to get rid of him?
1: <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, they've yeah. got to get rid of that dude. I, I think Bill get Callahan. Out. Out. He's, he's the closest thing there is to a miracle worker, but he's not going to make a guy who I, I just think, and this isn't to like say anything next necessarily personally negative about Andre Dillard. I don't know the man at all he just seems like he's not mentally cut out to play offensive line in the NFL. Like I think he's a little bit on the soft side. Um, I don't think he, you know, he just doesn't come across and he doesn't play with an edge to him. Like I think your good offensive linemen do. And I just don't think Bill Callahan for as great a coach he is. I think he can improve guys tremendously from a technical standpoint, you know, teach them new techniques, make them better uh you know get a uh, an offensive line working as a unit quickly um I just don't think he's going to be able to make him a dog he's like not a dog that's just what it comes down he's to a lovely
0: guy. He's a, yeah. lovely guy
1: he's a lovely guy he's a lovely guy nice who got guy.
0: stunned by Miles Garrett it's one of the most I've never gotten a quote like that in my life Mike when <laughs> when I'm sitting in that Browns locker room asking Andre Dillard yeah do you you kind of relish those opportunities to go up against guys like Miles Garrett. And he just looks at me and goes, yeah. In fact, he told me all the different ways that he beat me <laughs> in that game. And I was very appreciative. I was like, oh, okay, little guy. That's how
1: this is going to be. Get yeah, on out guys. of
0: here. You sweet, tough. sweet, terrible, terrible left tackle. This,
1: yeah. this yes. I, Callahan yeah. needs to be spending his time with Dylan Radins, Nicholas petit Frere and Jalen Duncan. And the guys that are younger, and and still have like a, a potential to get there, right? Like, and I do think he can make a difference for those guys.
0: Well, and the the listen, if you can if you can find some kind of a viable solution, like some of these guys are going to have to play, whether it's Raidens, whether it's NPF, obviously Skaronsky, like and Duncan. I I, I don't really know what that is quite yet. I don't think yeah. TBD.
2: He's well, the furthest you, away. Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, to put it. Gently, <laughs> but uh, you know, if you can get a viable starting option out of one of these guys, if you can improve Nicholas Petit Frere's inability to stop an inside pass rush move, if you can find ways to get Dylan Radins to play with lower pad level and play with more strength, and frankly, to just get him in a proper strength and conditioning program because that's not something that they've made a higher at as we sit here doing the podcast on Friday. Uh, at about 3:50 p.m. Central Time, there's still a, an open position for a head strength and conditioning coach for the Titans staff. That's uh, that's going to be an interesting discussion whenever that hire gets made. But of of all the different position groups that I hope that they try and salvage stuff, I'm not as I'm not as like hung up on the idea of trying to save Traylon Burks or trying to save Kyle Phillips because I don't trust those dudes as far as I can throw them. The offensive line, if you can try and further improve something while adding top end talent, whether that's in the first round or the second round of this upcoming NFL draft at left tackle at the interior positions, whatever, and just have something other than Skaronsky that you know that you got to lean on in 2024. I think that can make all the difference in the world because we know that this isn't a one-off season fix. I I think everybody's pretty realistic about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think Bill Callahan can do a lot, but he does require talent, right? I mean, if you, I went back a couple of weeks ago at um for my article on Paul's site, uh and looked at Bill Callahan.
0: you should read everything with my Price make sure you plug it. It's not like That's I don't right. say the man's name enough around here for God's <laughs> sakes.
1: But uh it it was, you know, I looked at uh all of the all pros and and you know everything that that Callahan has in and, and to his credit. At each of his stops, each of his last four offensive line coaching stops, he has had at least multiple Pro Bowlers on every single one, like multiple Pro Bowlers in the same season, every single stop that he's made. And with the Cowboys, you know, he, he obviously had Tyron Smith and, and Zach Martin and uh, Travis Frederick, uh, the Jets, he had to Shaw Ferguson Shaw Ferguson, he had uh, Nick Mangold and Alan Fanica, I believe, all at the same time. And then uh, Washington, you know, he's, he's done it every single time he's gone to a team Um, and he can do it relatively quickly, but most of those guys that he made all pros were first round picks, right? Like they, they were, I think 11 of the 13 all pro pro Bowl type guys that he had in those situations were first round picks. So you do need talented offensive linemen and he can build. he doesn't need five first round picks across the front, right? Like but he needs a couple in there that can be, be your building blocks. And then I think he can get everyone else up to a level that, you know, you kind of hide their weaknesses and you can you can use your studs to, to you know. All right. So one of the things that I, I harped on forever last season, you can't have too bad tackles. So, like, get a stud tackle. You can slide everything else to the other side. And you can trust this guy to win on an island, even against the good pass rushers, even yeah. against the Miles Garrett's, like TJ Watts, whatever. So they've got to get one tackle spot solidified. I think they've got to go get a center who can really play in this experience. Like, I don't think you need to, you know, have a, a rookie center and a rookie tackle flanking your second-year left guard, right? Like, go get an experienced player that you can plug in there, whether it's Andre James or Lloyd Cushenberry or, or you know, Biadius, you know, whoever you want. But go get somebody who can plug in there and play um, right away. And I think those are the two spots – if you can solidify those, then yeah, maybe you can get a, something out of Radens or MPF or uh, you know whoever uh, among the young offensive linemen that that can take Callahan's teachings and actually you know take steps forward to becoming a passable starter.
0: Speaking of teaching, uh, we're going to get to that here in just a second, though. I do uh, want to point out quickly that Mike Garofalo is tweeting out, um, that AJ Brown is calling into Philadelphia sports talk radio shows today. <laughs> He's called, he called into their afternoon drive show, uh, to bat down some rumors, confirm he wants to stay with the Eagles, clarify any sideline flare-ups. Uh, it could have been me, Mike. It could have been me. I could have been <sighs> getting calls from AJ Brown on a car phone. It could have been me. It makes me so salty. Yeah, I, I know, I know he's just so dramatic, but God, the whole, the, the whole experience, it's delightful to follow from afar. I'm sure that you're happy to not have, I don't know if you're not happy to have the headache or whatever the case may be.
1: Oh, I would gladly take the headache. Give me, give me the headache if you're going to uh, give that kind of production. I mean, like I just don't even care if the guy's a little bit of a diva, uh, you know, whatever, you know, like, if you can catch the ball and, and make plays like he does, you can you can call in as many afternoon radio shows as you want, buddy.
0: I've never in my life been jealous of Ike Reese until just now. What can you do? Uh, so to the to the point of education, um, we are getting ready to enter not just a different kind of Titans football, but I think a different way in discussing Titans football. Or at least I'm hopeful about that, and you know that's something that I've got to adjust to based on how I'm delivering. You know how I'm delivering. Or, or setting the level of discourse on talk radio the same way that you guys do with the podcast and how you write. Uh, but going through, I, I went through the Cook Index. Uh, I'm not sure. Are you familiar? I'm not. I'm not. So the Keep Cook Index. Uh, well, I'll try my best <laughs> because I tried this on the radio the other day, and then all all of a sudden I got hit in the face with I'm not talking about math with my football. Get out of here. <laughs> but basically, the Cook Index is uh, something that True Media has been using. To chart the rate of first and second down passes within the first 28 minutes of a game, before uh, before time and game situation dictate further tendencies. So basically, everything before the first the, before the two minute warning and how teams are managing that. The Bengals had the fifth highest first and second down passing rate out of teams in that situation. Um, I think I've got a video playing in the background. Do you hear that in the background? Was that just me? OK, that's weird. That <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, uh, so the Bengals had the fifth highest rate. The Titans were 32nd. Now, the 49 or the forty ers were 31st. So it doesn't mean that passing more on first and second down before the two minute warning makes you immediately a better offense. But I started to get into that and then immediately just got hit in the face with we don't want to don't don't tell me anything about an index in football. Talk to me about sports. Tell me where the coach screwed up. And then let me yell about it. And I know you had a similar experience this week on Twitter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do think, you know, really it was that JJ Reddick clip that that kind of went around where he mentioned, uh, you know, he had done a video I think breaking down like Zion Williamson, um, you know, point, you know, point offense versus you know when he's playing off the ball. Um, and he did a lot of analytical breakdown. I mean, he, he's great at talking about that stuff. If you're an NBA fan, like JJ is amazing. His podcast is great. Go watch it. Um, but the old, you man know, he, he no free shout outs, but you know. that's right. Um, and so he, uh, he said that, you know, got like 54,000 hits or something like that. And then he did a, did a, a, take about, you know, ripping a coach or something like that. And it got over a million views on that. Rivers' like,
0: lack of accountability.
1: That's right. So and and I've experienced the exact same thing. And I remembered uh, you know, twenty, what was it, twenty seventeen, I think it was, uh, when I was writing at Music City Miracles, um, I did a full like all twenty-two tape breakdown of Jayon Brown's rookie year um and uh, you know why i was excited about his potential uh, you know to step into a bigger role moving forward and i mean this thing was long if you followed my followed my work i remember reading while, it it was very I, very
0: thorough i i felt as educated about inside linebacker play as anything else in my life at that point
1: i get i get deep into the weeds, right so like i i spent literally days days working on this thing um was really proud of it happy with how it went it got like you know, I could see the page view numbers on, you know, on SB nation and it was like maybe 800 page views after a couple of days. And I was like, yeah, not, not terrible, but that's not very good (laughs) for like an average article over there. And then I did a, a Kevin Dodd post, you know, he had not, he had got tagged with the did not report, uh, to camp designation. And I was like, you know, that needs to be the final straw. And I went and wrote about it and basically wrote an opinion piece just saying, uh, the Titans need to move on from him. I know he was a second round pick. Uh, I know he's only you know two years into his career, but th- they need to be done with this guy. He doesn't, you know, he's not going to fit the culture that they want to build all this stuff. Um, it gets 10,000 page views within 24 hours. And I'm like, I spent maybe 30 to 45 minutes writing that because it was just my opinion. I, I didn't have to look anything up. I mean, I, I might've put a few nuggets in there just because I almost feel bad about posting anything without like putting any facts on there that, that someone <laughs> can learn. Um, but I I, I I did that and I'm like sitting there going like, what is the point? Like, why am I doing all this stuff? You know, try, spending all my time trying to, to build. And I think there's a real question as far as like how people actually want to consume sports, because I think some people and I think the majority of people fall into this bucket. I think just want to be entertained and they want to talk about, you know, whatever the hot take is with their friends. They want to have the MVP debate. They want to have the goat debate. Uh, they want to talk about the, like the candy that what I would consider like the candy stuff of like basically programming. First take uh, is what, what they want. Um, ESPN,
0: it, you, it was ESPN's scourge for the longest. And now it's their highest rated program during daytime television.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it does well for a reason because they talk about the things that, people like to hear people talk about and argue about and all this stuff. So I think there's a big group that just want to be entertained. Just want to be entertained. Don't really care if I learn anything new. Uh, Don't really care if, if there's, if you are even right with your content, as long as you are entertaining me, I'm happy. Um, And that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to shame anyone for like that. Like to me, like sports are the toy box of life and, and you can take that in however you want to. but at the same time it is very disappointing as like a content creator sometime where it's like i can put in a lot of work a lot of work and do something i feel really is good content that educates a fan base or that that teaches them something that they wouldn't have otherwise known because i feel like everyone else like you can look at you know a a football game and, and write a or or you know tell your buddies about what you thought the quarterback did or didn't do or whatever but like to actually go in and watch the film and do all the other and try to find the nuance that is behind. However, that play is happening. I think it's better content at the end of the day, but it doesn't get appreciated by as many people. And I will say that the people that do appreciate it are extremely loyal and they, they will follow you and they will pay money for your content. And I'm greatly appreciative of them because like they are the reason that I am even like, a part of like, even a tangential part of the media today. Um, So I think, you know, I am very appreciative of that group of people, but unfortunately they are not the majority. And I think it, it, it informs what kind of media you get, right? Like, because you're going to get what the advertisers want. You're going to get what, you know, the people who pay pay the bills basically want. And, And the people who pay the bills aren't necessarily worried about like, Jay on brown film breakdowns. They want to know how many clicks that got, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't give a shit. Um, so it's just kind of one of those things that, um, for me personally is a little disappointing (laughs) to to see happen in real time. Um, but I also understand it. Like it, it, it's a business and it's just kind of a, I don't know. It's one of those things.
0: Yes. As as speaking of now, I won't pretend to speak on behalf of the company, but I will speak on behalf of the company being built upon a mountain of clicks. That's how, that's how A to Z exists 100%. And it's, it's, it's a fight that I used to have because I, I used to be, I used to be like you, Mike, I used to try really, really hard on the things. Not that I don't try hard on, on those kind of things, but that, that it's boiled down to basically a headline. And then what we do, with people on the the primetime show or on the podcast or on your articles. Once we get them in there, it's incumbent upon us or or you and everybody else who's who's producing content to do the heavy lifting of trying to get those more important messages across. But you have to have the damn headline to get them in there. And that is something that Zach Bingham has hammered into my head over and over and over again to the point where I'm just, I'm tired of fighting it. I'm tired (laughs) of fighting it. And I just let the waves of clicks wash over me. Uh, in ways that make me feel a little bit dirty, but it's okay.
1: And it's the reality of the business. I mean, like there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of what advertisers will pay for. I mean, you you have at the end of the day, you have to build a business, right? Like you, you can you can be Pollyanna ish about you know the content or whatever all you want, but that may not necessarily drive the business side of things. So I, I, I that's I just thought like whenever I saw JJ post that and I was like, man, that like just resonated so much with yeah. my soul uh, as someone who has struggled against this fight for, you know, what, seven, eight years now. um And yeah, so it, it was just keep one of those fighting, things that Mike. stood out to me. <laughs> just,
0: just keep fighting. That's all I can say. We appreciate yeah. your time at Mike Herndon NFL is where you can follow him. PaulKaharski.com is where you should pay to read what he's writing because it is good. It is smart. It is better. And that's why it exists behind the paywall. And we're grateful for the way that Mike, still is out there don quixote style trying to educate and <laughs> inform the masses even after being beat down over and over and over again
1: just like, flailing at windmills out here oh brother i'm i'm telling you
0: <laughs> we we appreciate the time buddy